You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Well, hey, it's so good to be here with you. My name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors. And College Road says hello. How many have never made it over to the College Road campus before? Let me see your hands. Well, oh, a lot of you have then. All right. Um, it, is, it is. God is just doing some great things over there. We're one church in two venues, six gatherings right now. But uh, uh, they, uh, they let me hang out over there a lot. But every now and then, they let me hang out with you guys. So I just want to take a moment to welcome as well our online audience. Can you help me welcome them this morning? Hey, thanks for being here with us today, and uh, let us know you're there. Make some comments. Let us know your prayer requests. Um, Hey, we're jumping into a new series today. Say Stronger. Stronger. That's been our series or our theme for the year. We just wrapped up with uh, Stronger Families. Now we're going to be talking about Stronger Marriages. Here's the good news. I'm going to give you four easy steps to have the perfect marriage. So all you got to do is follow this, and it's going to go right every single time. No, we're going we're gonna to talk about stronger marriages the next few weeks, but we're also going to be talking about after that, we'll talk about stronger influences, how we can influence at our work and in our families and our community. Uh, and, and then after that, we'll end that series, Palm Sunday. And then the week after that is Easter. Can you believe Easter is only seven weeks away, right? That's because it's spring out there, right? That's what we saw this week. We're getting tricked, right? Uh, what a difference a, a week makes, right? With the weather and uh, praise God, we, we got through that little cold snap. But yeah, we're going to be talking about that today. Now, today's message is we start this series called Stronger Marriages. This is one of those messages where it's very easy to get that auto, uh, automatic twitch that goes on every now and then. Kind of, you, you know, your elbow starts doing this to your neighbor if your neighbor's your spouse or it's someone you're dating, because, you know, I just, I want you to get that out of your system right now, just kind of wiggle it around a little bit, because you're going to hear some things that, oh, yeah, that's you right there, right? And uh, we're going to be talking about communication. Next week, we'll focus a lot in on that as well, but we're going to, we're going to hit a lot of this stuff, but I mean, no, God is the one who came up with the idea of marriage. It was his idea. He's the one that, that said, it is not good for man to be alone, and all the men said... Amen or oh me. Okay, something. Say something to me, all right? It's not good for us to be alone. In fact, this reminds me of one day, you know, Adam was, or excuse, yeah, Adam was walking around the Garden of Eden and he was just kind of mopey and, and God's like, hey, Adam, what's wrong? And he's like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm sad because I'm alone. I don't have anyone to share my life with. So he's like, well, I'll, I'll create a companion for you. And this will be a woman and, you know, she's going to do all the cooking for you and she'll, she'll wash your clothes and, and she'll do all the hard work of bearing children. She'll wake up in the middle of the night and you don't even have to wake up. You can just stay right there. She'll, uh, she'll never nag you. She'll always give you 100% support. She'll never have a headache. You know, there's, she'll always support you 100% of the time. And Adam's like, wow, this sounds pretty good. What's that going to cost me, God? And he's like, uh, well, that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So he thought about it for a minute. And he's like, what can I get for a rib, right? <laughs> but marriage and relationship, listen, you may be in a relationship right now. You may be in a marriage, um, you know, whatever your, your age or stage of season of life, uh, relationships and dealing with relationships, this is good to apply in any, really any area of our lives. But, but, but uh, God is the one who came up with the idea of marriage. And God doesn't have bad ideas. But sometimes I know this, we've had bad relationships. We've had bad marriages. And so hopefully today we're going we're gonna to look at this in this series and we're going to talk about how can we have stronger marriages in our life? 
How can we have stronger relationships and, and the people in our interactions, maybe even within our family and, our, and our, with our coworkers, things like that? Because this will apply to all kinds of relationships in your life. Because we know that stronger marriages gives us stronger families. And stronger families gives us a, a stronger community, Right? which gives us a, a stronger society. Now, I want to start this series with this statement, and it's this right here. Great relationships are possible, they're just not probable. In, in other words, they're very possible, but the, the reason why they're not probable all the time is because how many know we like to go our own way? Don't hit your neighbor and elbow them yet, okay? There's going to be some other ones for that. But, but we like to go our own way. In fact, a lot of times, we get more comfortable with the way the world does things because it's closer to matching what I want and getting my way, right? So we're going to look at this today because we understand this. How many know God has a different way than the world? Are, aren't we glad for that? His ways are higher than our ways, right? His thoughts aren't our thoughts, and we're very thankful for that. So God has a different way. Now, last week, we ended our series uh, with this uh, verse from Romans chapter 12. We ended our series on stronger families. We're going to actually begin our series this week, and we're going to talk about stronger relationships, stronger marriages and it's found in Romans chapter 12. If you've got your, your, your Bible there or your, your e-Bible, you can follow along in your notes and your worship guide will be on the screen as well. Here's what it says. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. If there's ever an area in our lives that we should not copy what the world does, it's in the area of relationships. I'm so glad that the Super Bowl is today because after today, I don't have to hear anymore about the relationship of Kelsey and, and, and uh, uh, Swifter, whatever her name is. I, I know what her name really is. But, but I'm so tired of hearing about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. But, but listen, the, way, the world has a certain way. Don't copy the patterns of the behaviors of the world, right? And then he goes on and he says, he says this, he says, let God transform you. You know, we could just stop right there. If you want to know what the key to a healthy relationship is in any area of your life, let God transform you. We could bring the worship team up right now. I mean, that's all we need to know, but I prepared some other points, so we're going to get through that. But, but that is really the key to having the greatest and healthiest, godliest relationship that we can possibly have, right? We got to let God transform you. Maybe some of you are here today is like, I've tried relationships. I, I, I tried to, to work on that other person. I've tried to change my, change my spouse or, or whatever the case may be. But let me ask you this. Have you let God transform you? Have you let him work in you to do something first, right? And then he goes on. He says, into a new person by changing the way you think. Then your relationship will do what God intended it to do then you will most likely receive from your relationship what you really hope to receive from your relationship. And then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, right? So as we jump into this series today, we're going to start off by talking about conflict. Why? Because how many of you know when you're married, you're going to have conflict? Can I get an amen to that, right? It's just a way of life, right? Conflict is going to be there, right? And, and, and you, know, uh, you know, sometimes early on, we're like, oh, no, you know, like if you're, you know, dating or you're newlyweds, like, oh, we're never going to fight. No, it's never going to be that way. Wrong. <laughs> you are, you are going to fight, right? I've heard it said before that, you know, uh, marriage is like a deck of cards, right? You start out with two hearts and a diamond, and before too long, you're asking for a club and a spade, right? <laughs> 
Uh, I like to describe marriage as like a, a, a five-act play, right? The, the first act is just you and that other person, and it's just like you're doing life together. Uh, you know, you're just having fun. You're learning each other. Nothing really irritates you at all, right? And you're just doing life. You know, you're loving it. And, and you know, maybe two, three, five years, seven years, whatever that stage is for you. Then enter in children. How many know Kids change the dynamics, right? Kids are a blessing. We're going to do a child dedication later on today, but they're a blessing, but it changes things, right? So now you got to figure that out and how you relate to that other person with your child around and, and, and all those things, right? And then if you survive Act 2, you move on to Act 3, teenagers in the house. <laughs> I mean, you know, teenagers alone can be a challenge, right? But, but teenagers know what you're talking about now. Now, now you got to figure out how to argue with each other and, and them not get in. Because teenagers like to insert themselves sometimes. At least mine did. I don't know about yours. But, and sometimes they even take sides, right? So that can make a challenge, make it more challenging for you. And then you move on from Act 3 to what I call Act 4. You might call it the empty nest stage. That's actually the stage my wife and I are in now. And this is the, also the roller coaster stage, right? Oh, I'm so sad you're leaving. Well, she is. I wasn't. But uh, I'm so sad you're gone. But I'm happy for you. You're doing your thing, you know, oh, you're coming back, yay, for holidays. Oh, you're moving back. No, I don't want you back in here. Get out of here, right? Because you get used to it, right? And so you got these different states. And then you move on to the final act, act five, and that's when you discover you're old. <laughs> and we do life together. Marriage is great. God has a great way to do and uh, for us to do the best possible marriage. But how many know conflict is inevitable, Right? So we're going to talk about, you know, uh, some common causes of conflict, right? This isn't an exhaustive list, but some of the top ones, right? And then we'll talk about how we typically respond to conflict. And then we'll end it with a, a few tips that hopefully will help us to deal with conflict better from God's word. And, and if you're taking notes again, four causes of conflict. Number one is this, poor communication. How I many know most fights start with something small? Like sometimes you don't even remember why you started fighting. You'll be in the fight so long, but it started out with something so small in your life, right? Poor communication, you know? Uh, you know? And then what happens is this, then our way of communicating with one another, we can make it worse, can't we, right? They're like, why are you in such a bad mood? Well, I wasn't in a bad mood until you said I was in a bad mood. Now I'm in a bad mood because you said I was in a bad mood. Now I'm gonna fight with you, right? <laughs> It's like we, we, we say certain things, right? And, and, and it causes us to act a different way. And I've heard it said like this, anytime you're in a, in a fight or a conflict, you got two buckets. You can use a, a bucket of water, a bucket of gas, right? You got this little fire going on. Which one are you gonna throw onto that fire that's going, right? And, and, and it's also, you probably heard this before, 93% of communication is tone and body language, right? It's not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it, right? Didn't your mama always tell you that? Yeah. And, and, and so it's, it's that tone and that's that, it's that body language. But sometimes it is what you say as well. Like I heard this guy one time said to his wife, how can you be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time? That's not smart, right? <laughs> but she says, allow me to explain. God made me so beautiful so you'd be attracted to me. God made me so stupid, so I'd be attracted to you. <laughs> so here's what God's word says. Let's look at that. This is way better than what I could say. Psalms 141, it says this. It says, set a guard over my mouth. Come on, guys. We need to listen to this. <laughs> All of us in this room. Set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord. Keep watch over the door 
of my lips. I mean, you know, doors have hinges. We have control of opening it and closing it. And, and we could, you know, we could uh, end or even uh, avoid so many arguments if we understand that if we go to God first before we go and we say what we want to say to that other person, if we'll go, God, do I need to say this? Or God, if I need to say something, what do I need to say? Set a guard over my lips, right? We got to go to God first before we go to that other person. The second big reason why we have conflict in our life is unfulfilled expectations, right? In fact, here's the reality. All anger starts this way. I, I, I wanted something, I didn't get it, I had an expectation, and therefore now I'm mad. Now I'm ready to fight. Let's go, right? And, and so what is James? James actually, he talks about this. He says this in James 4. He says, what causes fights? And quarrels among you, don't they come from your desire, your desires that battle within you? You want something and you didn't get it, and therefore we get mad, right? I expected to come home from work and relax, but yet my kids are being super loud, and then you know my spouse wants me to do something. I just wanted to sit and relax. Now I'm irritated. I didn't get what I expected. Now I'm mad. Let's fight. Let's go, right? And we have these scenarios, right, that can play out in our lives, in our relationships every day. And then James says, and then this is how we respond. Watch the wrong response. You kill and you covet. How many know it's not the right response? <laughs> you kill and you covet, but you, because you, you, but you cannot have what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. What's interesting is this passage continues to go on to say that you don't have what you, you want because you didn't ask God first. You didn't ask God for the right thing. And the problem is, is oftentimes we're expecting something from that other person that really only God can give you. We're putting pressure on them uh, for something that we want or maybe perhaps need in our lives, what we feel like. And really, God is the only one that can provide those, uh, those deep-seated needs, but we want that other person to provide it, right? So we, we fight because we, we don't ask us. We've got to go to God. And the third reason what we fight often reason is this, is despising differences. How I many you know we're all different, right? In this room, we're, we're, we're pretty different in this room, but when it comes to relationships, we can be pretty different as well. And what we used to celebrate and maybe even attracted us to that other person, oh, you complete me, right? Now it annoys us. <laughs> A few years in, right? I vividly remember, this is about 10 to 12 years in our marriage. My wife and I, we've been married 31, be 32 years now this year. I know I don't look that old, right? And uh, no, she doesn't. But um, but, 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 but listen, 30, she does not. I said, does not look that old. I want to be clear with that. Online audience, she does not. You, anyway, so, but, but I remember about 10 or, 10 or 12 years in, I was pulling out a thing of sour cream. And you know how it has a, you know, when you first open it, it has that little like aluminum foil type thing over the top of it, right? I pull it out and I, did, and I, I take the lid off and I'm like, and I look at my wife who's nearby and I was like, is this difficult? This Pull it off the rest of the way. Just pull it off and put it in the trash. And she just kind of, you know, smiley smirks at me like, oh, does that bother you? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, it does a little bit. Can't you just pull it off? And she's like, uh, oh, well, what else bothers you? You know where this is going. Guys, that's when you walk away right there. You just walk away. But no, I took the bait, guys. I took the bait. I know better now, but then I did not. And so, so I said, well, since you're asking, you know when you squeeze the toothpaste 
And, you know, I squeeze it from the bottom so it's ready to go for that next person, which is you. Um, you squeeze right in the middle. I mean, come on, can you just... And then, you know, when you, you know, finish the roll of toilet paper, can you just put it back on? You know, don't just set it there. And when you put it on, it's supposed to come over the top, right? How many you know, right? That's scriptural. It comes over the top, not from the bottom, right? Okay, so, so, so I go through in five, ten minutes, I'm talking about all these kind of, you know, little things, our differences, Right? Um, that kind of annoyed me now after about 10 years. And then I go, okay, because I'm laughing, we're having fun. I go, okay, now it's your turn, you go. She's like, nothing bothers me. And she just walks away and I was like, <laughs> dang it. I took the bait, right? So, so we're different, right? We're, there's so many differences. Right? Uh, I'm always hot. She's always cold. You know, uh, I, I'm way too serious. She's too funny. You know, uh, you know there's, there's, I, I'm a saver. She's a spit. This is all hypothetical. I'm not talking about my marriage in particular. But, uh, but, it, but, 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 but we're different, right? And, and so we're opposites in so many ways. And those opposites can irritate us or we can see the value in them. At one point, we saw the value in those opposites. You know, I don't need someone who's just like me. I, I spend enough time with myself. I want somebody who is not exactly like me, right? We understand this concept when it comes to football, right? That, that we don't need 311, uh, 350 pound guys on the field all playing at the same time. <laughs> we just need about six or seven who can block really good. And then we need one guy who can throw the ball. And we need a, a few of those guys who can actually catch the ball. And then we need someone who maybe can run well with the ball, right? Because we understand this, right? The more different we are, the better team we are. That's why the 49ers are going to win today. And I apologize for anything. <laughs> but listen, we understand that, right? And once upon a time, we understood this in our country as well, didn't we? Right? In fact, our government is based on our differences, three different branches. You have ideas, and I have ideas, we have ideas, and we come together with some good ideas, and when we come together with our different ideas, we can come up with some great ideas, and we can have a great country. But how many of you know we don't do that anymore? Because I'm right, and you're wrong. Therefore, I'm going to cancel you. Your opinion does not matter. How many of you know that we have to have different opinions that come together? That's what makes us great, right? Then we can be the United States of America again. See, I could barely even get it out because we don't have that, right? But listen, we have our differences. Listen to what Mark 3 says. It says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Your marriage, your relationships, your, 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 your workplace, our country, our teams, whatever you want to look at, it cannot stand. We have to learn to appreciate that other person's opinions. We can't just say, I'm right, you're wrong, and therefore go away, right? We got to appreciate it. And then the fourth one, uh, the fourth common reason that we argue in our relationships a lot of times is our sin nature. Romans 3.23 says this, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Look at your neighbor and tell them they are a sinner. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding you. We're all sinners. Hey, aren't you glad that you came to church today? You're all sinners, right? We're, none of us are perfect. In fact, those first three reasons that we argue about, really the reason for those first three is for this one right here. It's our sin nature. We're all a mess. None of us are perfect. And you know what? We're really good at receiving God's grace, aren't we? And not always so good at extending that grace to other people, right? We can give ourselves a break and ask God to forgive us. But oftentimes, what do we do? We expect that other person to be perfect. 
We expect them to get it right all the time. And we grade them by their, by their uh, actions and we grade ourselves by our intentions, right? So we give ourselves the, the break, right? And, and, I, uh, and so we, we, we gotta learn that everyone uh, around us, they're not perfect. I, I read this on Facebook yesterday. It said, uh, please pray for my husband. Nothing's wrong with him. He's just married to me and I can be a whole lot. <laughs> and we can sometimes. We're not perfect. And my wife knows I, I am not perfect. I'm always right, but I'm not perfect, right? <laughs> So how do we respond to these ways uh, when we have this conflict? A few ways is we, we can respond with my way. It's my way or the highway. I'm the boss. You just submit, right? Does that work, guys? <laughs> that doesn't work in any kind of relationship. And then we got your way. For the sake of peace, all right, I'm not even going to talk. I'm going to just let you kind of do it your way. And at some point, though, we, be, we, we become resentful, don't we? And we get miserable. Or we can handle it halfway, Right? And it's closer to better or right, but now you're just mad half the time. Or we can do it the fourth way and we can handle it God's way. So hopefully today we're, we're going to see a little bit of how, how, uh, how God's way contrasts with the world's way. And there's a, there's a, a verse in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is one of those poetry books written by uh, Solomon, Right? King David had King Solomon. He wrote these wisdom books, these poetry books. And he says this in Ecclesiastes. He says, there is a time for everything in a season, for every activity under heaven. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. In fact, what does this mean? That you can take these stones that are in your life and around you and you can use them to throw them at people or that person that you used to love maybe, or you can gather them and make an altar before God. And let me give you a little background on this. The, the, the background of this in the Old Testament, if you, if you don't remember Jacob, right? So Jacob was the son of Israel. Jacob, he needed a wife and he found Rachel and Rachel was this really good looking uh, lady. And he was like, I really want to be married to her. So he goes to her dad, what do I got to do? And, and he's like to her dad, Laban, he's like, oh, you just got to work for me seven years. So he does that. He works for seven years and on his marriage night, uh, he, he gets to consummate the marriage. He wakes up in the morning and finds out it's not Rachel, it's Rachel's sister, Leah. That's a problem. There's a whole nother sermon series over here, but... But, but he's like, well, you deceived me to the dad, right? And he's like, you know, why'd you do that? He's like, well, it's not our custom to give you the, uh, the second born. And it's our custom to give you the first born. He's like, well, what do I got to do now? And he's like, well, you got to work seven more years. So he does. Not only does he work seven more, he, he actually works 20 years for Laban, the father-in-law now, right? And at some point, there's all this bitterness and anger because Laban kept changing his wages and, and changing things on him. And eventually he decides, I'm taking the family and I'm getting out of here. And on the road, they're heading out, and he hears, he gets word that Laban, the father-in-law, is coming after them. And this is where God needs to do a work in Jacob's life. And, and, and he says this, and we pick it up in Genesis 31. It's, he said to his re relatives, gather some stones. I'm going to throw some rocks at him. I tell you, what, I'm mad. No, he didn't say that. See, I'm mad. I'm upset. We have a 20-year history of fighting and problems and deceit. We've got to fix this. And he gathers some stones and he says this, he took the stones and it piled them up in a heap. That means he made an altar and they ate there by the heap. Here's what I want to encourage you today. Before you go to that other person, we need to go to God first. 
What does God need to do in us so that we can respond in the right way to that other person, right? And the great news about this is that other person doesn't even have to be around for God to do a work in us, right? Sometimes that other person has left town. Sometimes that other person is, is uh, maybe even not on this earth anymore. Sometimes we want that other person to say certain things to us and, 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 uh, and, and they never will and we can't get it from them. It's putting us in a box where we can't ever be happy. And see, God can do a work in us to where that person doesn't even have to be around or even do their part. But conflict cannot continue without my participation. We can decide I'm going to build an altar. Now, I'll give you real quick four uncommon responses that I can have uh, during conflict. And I say uncommon because a lot of times we don't respond this way because uh, we go the world's way. Let's look at this real quick. Number one is this. I will act, not react. You need to have a pre-fight plan, right? Uh, in other words, you need to have some agreed upon uh, rules ahead of time, some how you can fight fair. How many know you're not gonna come up with these in the middle of the fight? So you gotta do it ahead of time because it's not if, but when, right? And so, so uh, Ephesians 4, it says this, in your anger, don't sin, don't let the sun go down uh, while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And what you got to do, I have some never rules in our lives, and these aren't all mine. They're taken from a few places, but maybe you need to have a few of these in your marriage. These aren't in your notes, but you can write them down if you want. Here's some never rules. Never put it off. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Take care of it. Maybe take a little time. Come apart for a little bit before you tear each other apart. Take some time, right? But then don't let the sun go down on your Never call names. We shouldn't do that really to anyone. We should put labels and tags on people. You do that enough and then they believe that, don't they? Whether it's our kids or our spouse and then never raise your voice. Can I be honest? This one's a tough one for me because I just like to be loud. (laughs) But remember, 93% is tone and body language. So try to keep calm and then never get historical. I didn't say hysterical. (laughs) Never get historical. Ladies, you're really good at remembering everything from like 30 years ago. You can remember like it was yesterday, right? And and, and so bringing in past responses is not going to help the present conflict. And then never say divorce. You know what divorce does when we say that word? And we we put fear in that other person. So do you think they're ever going to be honest with you if you're holding that over their head all the time? You think they're going to really tell you how they feel? Because if they're afraid when it gets tough, you're just going to walk away from this relationship because you're holding that over them. You're never going to fully resolve and really have the intimacy that God intended for you to have in your relationship. Number two is this, I will focus on the good things in you. I mean, you know, it's really easy to focus on the bad, right? It's really easy to focus on the negative. If you've never done this before, I want to encourage you. Would you take a minute to write down all the great qualities of that person that you're dating or maybe that you hope to date someday? <laughs> write down those qualities. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of what was great about them and is still great about them and to know that I'm going to focus on the positive. I asked my wife the other day, I said, you know, what are the bad things going on in our marriage? And she told me this, I quoted, I'm going to read it. She said, our marriage is so perfect now, I can't think of anything bad. I promise you, she said that, right? (laughs) It's because our memories are bad. That's probably it, right? (laughs) Finally, brothers, what's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything's excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. And number three is this, I will apply God's grace to you. How many appreciate God's grace in your life? Let me see your hands. Aren't you thankful that God didn't wait for you to get it all together? 
for you to, you know, be perfect and, you know, and qualify for his love and his patience? Are you glad? See, he, get, he gives his grace to us freely. And we've got to extend that grace to other people. See, too often we want them to pay, but we want to have the grace ourselves, right? And it's amazing how much we can give uh, or receive, but we don't necessarily give that same grace. And God says this in Romans 12. He says, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. He's gonna, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, we can build an altar. We can extend God's grace into the lives of those relationships around us and we can let God do his work. And you might be saying, listen, I, you don't know my situation. You don't know what's going on in my house. You don't know how long we've been dealing with. You're right. I don't know your situation. And you're probably saying, this will not work at my house. And you're right, it won't, unless you do, number four. And it's this, I will remember God's grace to me. It really just boils down to that, right? God, do something in me. God, thank you for doing something for me. You know, the person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you, you can't know him if you don't love him. And then uh, I, I just skip down. You can read the whole verse, but it says this at the bottom. It says, my dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. See, God's offering transformation for us today. He's offering transformation, not to change that other person, not to change the situation even necessarily, but he's, often, he's offering to change us, to change something inside of us, right? To, to change what's been happening in us and around us, right? And every time I remember all that God has done for me, then now I have the capacity to extend that grace to other people. Isn't that true? Isn't that, isn't that great that God allows us to receive his grace and then allows us to be uh, uh, conduits to extend that grace to other people in our lives? I wanna pray for you. Just bow your heads as we close up today. You know, some of you today, you're gonna have trouble with this because maybe you don't have the power to do this on your own because we're talking about, you know, remembering God's grace, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus today. Maybe you're here today and you've been struggling. You got all kinds of relationship problems around you and challenges and you know, none of that matters to God. Not that it's not important, but he says today, what matters to me is that you have a relationship with him. What matters to him is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ so that you can have the power to extend grace to other people and perhaps even receive it in your life. If you've never made that decision, I wanna pray with you today. We say it like this. It's as easy as ABC admits believe and confess. Whether you're in this room today or whether you're joining us online, I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. You can say this uh, prayer silently as I pray it out loud. Just say something like this. Just say, dear God, today, I admit, just like that verse, I am not perfect. I've sinned. I've fallen short of your glory. God, today, I believe that you died on a cross for me and that you're dying on a cross was the, was the way that I could have a relationship with the God who created me. Today, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Would you come into my life? Would you come into my heart? Would you be my life leader today? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.